0: A Cricketing View, an irregular podcast about cricket and other things. Hello and welcome to a new episode of A Cricketing View podcast. Today's episode is about technology in sport and specifically technology in adjudication of on-field decisions uh, using video review. And we're going to talk about cricket and football broadly. And uh, my guests today are three members of a quiz team who also happen to be learned and experienced in these areas. My first guest is Daisy Christadolu. She's the Director of Education at No More Marking. She's an expert in alternative forms of assessing high school students. And she used to be an English teacher, and now she's a, a distinguished educationist. My second guest is Jonathan Wilson of The Guardian and several other publications. He's the author of 11 books most famously Inverting the Pyramid. But if you ask me for my favourite one of his books, it's Angels with Dirty Faces, which is a history of Argentinian football. And my third guest is Daniel Norcross of Test Match Special and formerly a guest on this podcast as well. Welcome all. Hello,
1: welcome. Hello, hello, hello. It's great to be back, Carters.
0: Daisy, in, in your widely read Twitter thread on VAR, which I think you wrote during an actual VAR review in a a football game you sort of alluded to this problem of trying to find objective reality where there's actually none is it your sense that this is a crisis of evidence or is it a crisis of authority so i think it's i think it's both
2: and i think one issue you've got is that you've got lots of decisions being made on the football field which are probably genuinely... You know, there's a lot of calls which are, which are genuinely kind of 50-50. They're, they're not line calls. They're, they're, they're probably on a distribution. So, you know, a clear and obvious handball. What is a handball? Um, you know, what counts as a, a, a clear sort of goal-scoring opportunity? So you've got right. a lot of things where you think you could ask 100 referees and maybe 60 might say 140 the other. So you're bringing in technology and it isn't necessarily getting you to any clarity. The other issue you've got is then when you get, even when you do have binary decisions, like right. offside. Now, I thought the oh, would be very good for offside because offside's a binary line call. And you can say, well, he either is or isn't offside. But actually, what we've seen with that is we've seen huge problems there, which have been about the tension between the letter and the spirit of the law. Now, you're seeing a lot of decisions being given out, that are being given not, not as a goal, because they're offside according to a, a literal letter of the law definition but they would never have been given out probably at any time in the game's history because you just wouldn't have had people be able to see the infringement of a toe or a nose that's offside so you're getting a, a tension as well between the letter and the spirit of the law so i think in, in a number of ways it's it's bringing up all kinds of issues about authority about evidence about about what what objective uh, you know objective decision making really is and it's complicating these things rather than solving them it's
0: interesting you say that because you could organize decisions in basically two groups, right? One is a decision which is a question of fact, and mm-hmm. the other is a decision which is a question of opinion, of, of interpretation. You know, was that deliberate handball? Or would that ball have gone on to hit leg like stump? Or, or something like that, right? And those are judgment calls. And whatever the empirical reality of, of that particular situation is, it is not necessary that it should cleanly fall in one or the other end of the, of the answer. Now, Jonathan, you wrote a review of the Copa America semifinal a few months ago, where you suggest, you were saying essentially that it's not just the viewers and the journalists who all have these problems, you know, deciding and agreeing about an interpretation. But you're saying that old solidarities and old agreements and conventions about something that just looks like a foul no longer seem to apply even among players and referees. Uh, could you build on that? Because that you you would think that those guys would know like when a foul is a foul, right?
3: Yeah, I mean I think, I think you're right. The sort of it's, it's almost as if the the law has three levels all of which go together to make the the decision. So there's the law that is written down. Right. And that is is accessible to everybody the laws of the game and you can go and read them on the FIFA website. There's then the guidelines to referees which are constantly reviewed. Before every season, every Premier League season, a new set of guidelines to referees will be produced and it'll be distributed to the clubs. And for for some reason, they're incredibly reluctant to give them to journalists. But it would be very useful to us to to know know, what they're asking referees to look at specifically or how they're telling referees to interpret certain situations. Mm -hmm. And then there's the the third step, which is is the... I mean, Daisy in that that Twitter thread referred to the tacit assumptions we have, which is just understanding what those laws mean. Because uh, codifying something as as huge and as random and and, uh, with as many variants as football... It's very, very difficult. See, so the law says is an offence to trip or attempt to trip an opponent. Mm. But that's you know, that covers an enormous variety of different situations. Mm. And over the 150 or 160 years of football's history, we've sort of worked out what we mean by that. So I think you had a really good example of, of the problems we now have with VAR and the way it's making us question what we thought we knew in the game between Chelsea and Manchester United um, when... Says uh, a, uh yeah. pushed Brandon Williams and I yeah. think most people would accept that was a foul because his hands went out, he hit Williams in the back Williams sort of collapsed but then you see the replay and you realise well actually he's only made that motion that forward motion and his hands have sort of gone out automatically because he himself has been nudged in the back by, by Fred. Now mm. that nudge would he no previous iteration of football nobody would ever consider that a foul but what we now see is that caused Azpilicueta to commit a foul that led to a goal being disallowed and so Hmm. if that's the case should that not then be a foul so the decision that was given by VAR was a decision that would have been made in in most cases pre-VAR but it did make you think well now we now we see quite clearly that that nudge has caused the foul maybe that nudge should also be considered a foul but nudging somebody as you go up to head the ball is is just what you do. You know that's that, that's been what we've done in in football all the way, you know, right right back to 1863. So you know it, it's it's that kind of issue of suddenly seeing things and being asked to to reassess things that we previously sort of just turned away from and sort of accepted as being as being part of the game. That yeah, you know, that's what VAR's you're know, making us do which as a sort of process is, is not actually a bad process to go through. The problem is it's happening during a season and not during some kind of trial period.
2: Yeah, I think that that's a really good point, John. And actually, there's an analogy there with cricket, which is that when you slow things down and put them on a 2D screen, you don't always get, actually, you know, the promise of, of greater accuracy. And I remember with cricket, we went through this like 20, 25 years ago with um, catches, that there were lots of catches that you could see uh, that when they were, when it was in 3d, a player would say, "Look, my, my hands are underneath this ball, it's definitely not touching the ground. But when you showed the replay, it would look like it was touching the ground. And there was a whole thing I say about 20 years ago with that, which is again just another way of where you're seeing things on a screen and you're slowing things down uh, and you're seeing things that that you haven't seen before that in the case of those catches may not even actually be true because you're mm. shortening the image.
1: So I think, I think you might have a slightly slightly different issue there, Money, because I think there you've got a slight failure of the technology. Where absolutely,
2: yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Whereas yeah. you know where where we've got with VAR more yeah. so than DRS, yeah, is questioning the entire precepts of the laws
2: yes. or yes. the rules of the game. Yes.
1: So football fans yes. have been and and you know broadcasters yeah. are massively responsible yeah. for this, but I don't yeah. blame them for it either. Yeah. Which is that we thrive on people furiously ringing in to phone-in programmes.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And because Mm -hmm. most people are largely ignorant about how the game is really played at the highest level by the very best players, what they get really vexed by is the sense of injustice that their team has been thwarted in their ambition Mm -hmm. by a one-eyed or um, cheating or biased referee stroke umpire. And that used to bedevil cricket for years and years and years, especially before we had uh, neutral umpires. Yeah. Whereas in cricket, by well, the introduction of DRS, because our rules are, are written in cricket rather differently and don't really allow for interpretation, yeah. the only place that I see DRS has really screwed us up in this regard is obstructing the field. It's when you see somebody running... And then do they deviate towards the stumps or not? And when you do that in slow motion, sometimes that can look like yeah. deliberate intent to mm-hmm. the throw. Yeah. Whereas I think in real time, if you were just watching that, you go, well, he was just hit by the ball. But for the most part,
2: yeah.
1: I don't think cricket suffers from that in the same way that VAR has really... Um, challenged football and football fans as to what it is that they have have been watching for the last 160 years if they're lucky enough to live.
0: You know in in cricket I thought that I used to think that this was it it was a novelty that when they reviewed a, a catch for instance they would see it from eight or nine different angles right and when they wrote the law for for catches, they could not have imagined that there would be eight or nine sets of eyes from eight or nine different vantage points looking at the same action and sort of coming to one conclusion. And I, I thought, Jonathan, that this is something which is especially acute in football because the laws of football are written to be interpreted by a referee who is on the, on the pitch and is at one particular point point on the pitch at that particular point in time and he has he has his view of the action is from that or her view of the action is from that standpoint right and referees are trained to position themselves in relation to action at the action depending on how the play is developing and so on right but suddenly with VAR you have the same action like as and Fred and I forget who the striker was but that action is now being viewed from like four or five different angles and sometimes you get the sense that these different angles rather than firstly you're comparing the original decision which the referee made or didn't make from his standpoint with you know the combined evidence of these four or five viewpoints like these four or five pictures that you have and what it seems to do a lot of the time is that it just seems to give everybody whatever ammunition they want to argue their Case, as Daniel was saying.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the Rashomon effect, isn't it? The, the more yeah. the, 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 the more witnesses you have, the more different versions of reality you have. But you know, I, I think at you know, this point, it, 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 I think it's a really good point that the laws were written assuming one referee who had authority aided by assistants. And it, they were assistants. And yeah. so a linesman could say, look, I'm absolutely convinced he elbowed him, and the referee would go, "Okay, I didn't see that." but If you're convinced, I will send him off. Whereas, if if there was a dispute between the two, where the referee said, oh, "I thought I saw this," and line said, oh, "I thought I saw this," we know the referee is you know is is the the prime official. He's the one who has the authority. So I think the great example of that, and it's relatively recent, which is, which I think is interesting, that after the 1990 World Cup, which is very negative, there was a, a series of rule changes, one of which was two offside. And so, yeah. in the, I can't remember the year, but so sort of mid 90s. The offside law was changed to say that if you're level with the penultimate defender, so you have a goalkeeper plus plus one, you know, usually, if you're level with him, then you're onside. And previously, yeah. level was off. But level is a beautifully vague term,
4: mm-hmm, and what yeah. it
3: meant was a linesman looking across the line, if those two players were roughly in the same yeah, this in, in the same line and actually in reality they could be sort of six inches apart you said that's on side and we understood that vaguely we understood that the human eye cannot possibly process all that information perfectly and it gave yeah, you know, to use a quick term it gave the benefit of the doubt to the forward yeah mm-hmm. and that seemed to me an excellent law that we all sort of grasped we weren't asking for for you know, millimeter by millimeter precision far comes in and suddenly level doesn't really exist because you're working on a, on the level of pixels on a screen. But the problem is you have people been given offside, yeah, you know, by by a matter of, of millimetres. You know, theoretically you could be offside by a millimetre. Yeah. And yet of course technology is nowhere when good enough to, to, to prove that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in any sense a physicist, but you know, pretty quickly. I, I really, I think it was at the uh, Leicester Tottenham game where I realized this. Um, the frame rate of the of the cameras yeah. is 50 frames per second. So you've got a you know a 0.02 second gap, and you mm-hmm. see that in cricket very very often with with uh, run out decisions. You yeah. see that yeah. one frame is short, the next frame is over the line, and, and that occasionally the decision yeah for some broken uh, somewhere between those two those two points. Now in 0.02 seconds, a player running at 25 kph, which is not uncommon at all moves just over i think nearly 15 centimeters 14 point something centimeters
4: yeah
3: now if the defender is also moving Mm
4: -hmm.
3: in the opposite direction you've in 0.02 seconds in in the gap between two frames their relative positions could have changed by a foot and the other thing i'd add into that by a millimeter that makes no sense at all
2: and the other thing i'd add to that is a player's foot when you say at the moment the ball is playing uh the player's foot is touching the ball is it the moment it hits the ball, or the moment it leaves? You know, the moment the ball leaves the boot. That in itself is not. Um, well, it is actually written in, in
3: the guidelines. Yeah. It's the moment it leaves yeah. the boot. But actually, yeah. judging that is obviously incredibly yeah. difficult. So the way exactly. it works exactly. in practice yeah. is that the yeah. in in the VAR booth at Stockley Park, they are given three frames which are closest to the moment of the ball leaving the boot, mm-hmm. and they choose which of those three they think is is closest to. The last contact of boot on ball yeah. and then that is used as you know to that's where they you know it's, it's the equivalent frame and all the other cameras are used to build yeah. the the 3g image which tells you but you know yeah. in 0.02 seconds a huge amount can happen yeah. so yeah. that's why i think they have to build a margin of error into that and say that yeah. we we just don't know to within yeah. whatever the distance is 10 centimeters yeah. whatever and therefore within 10 centimeters is
1: is still on site yeah. can i just say that that, that we shouldn't have a rosy-tinted glow about the notion that um, in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, etc., we all put up with refereeing decisions being slightly imperfect. I mean, I know Manchester United fans who are still livid about Bobby Stokes' supposed offside goal for Southampton in the 1976 Cup final. So yeah.
4: It's,
1: yeah, not and, if, and, it's not no, as if people, and especially football fans, I mean, even more so, I think, possibly than cricket fans in England, maybe not so in India, but that they still rant and rave about yeah. perceived injustice. So yeah.
4: you can no, totally
1: understand why VAR was introduced because, I mean, it was no. clogging up phone-in programs and making them deeply tedious.
0: We are very good at injustice, I can tell you. I mean, <laughs> uh, come on.
3: Well, I but, mean, there's another point there, Dan, that, 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 that I, I sort of, it's kind of obvious, but I, I, I did not really appreciated until till a couple of weeks ago when I was doing some research, which is that refereeing has become much more uniform since mass televisation, because we can all see everything. Yeah. And so even though we're arguing all the time and, and you know, you get people you people on one side of the, of the equation swearing black is white and, and you know, and, and, and vice versa, but actually you know, we're, we're much clearer now than we've ever been before on what constitutes a foul or yeah. on what constitutes a red card offence, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because previously referees just sort of made it up themselves. They, they had their own little kind of... Yeah. Uh, value system, but yeah. they, they weren't getting videos of games that they could compare themselves to, oh. so yeah, televisation in that sense has, has created a, a greater uniformity.
2: I, I agree with that, and I think also the thing you've got to do is you, you, you want to, as you say Dan, there are errors and whenever you rely on human, you know, one human judgement, you will have errors the question is, how do you get to a point where you're overturning those errors but not introducing lots of other errors <laughs> um, how do you get to a point where you're getting more right decisions, that's one question But the other question is, even when you're getting to a point where you're getting more right decisions, it goes back to what John was talking about earlier about the development of the offside rule. And the reason I'm fascinated by the offside rule and the LBW rule is they're just such fascinating examples of where you are creating laws to try and legislate for a kind of spirit. (laughs) So in the case of LBW, you know, you don't want batsmen to just be planting their foot and padding away the ball. That doesn't feel like the right thing. It's not good for the game. In the case of football, you don't have any offside rule. You're just getting players bombarding the keeper, goal hanging, Mm -hmm. standing up near the goal, and that's not going to lead to great football either. But it's really hard to legislate to come up with a way of defining a law that prevents the kind of bad putting your pad forward, trying to goal hang, without eliminating the fact that obviously sometimes the ball is going to hit the pad and that's fine. And sometimes, obviously, a a striker has to be near the goal. And the offside rule and the LBW are both attempts to legislate that. And it's no coincidence that you go back to the history of football and cricket, that there's a history of tweaking them, adjusting them, of trying to get the right balance, and trying mm. to stop people exploiting the letter of the law. And I think John is right to say, and John's in a great article about this, that by 2005, you've probably got to the perfect balance with football. You've got mm. to the point where uh, it was just about setting up a, a, a playing area that was about maybe 60 yards wide that allowed for skillful players to have space to pick out passes, uh, that didn't allow a defensive team to really exploit it by, by by attempting to step up too much, but neither did it allow attacking team to exploit it by, by just goal-hanging. So you had a really nice balance, uh, and I think, John's so right to say, that what you're getting now with VAR is destroying that balance, and we don't know what it's going to do, it's just upsetting that, and who knows if it will bed down will bed down the reason i think drs for lbw is actually such a good thing is i think it's tweaked the balance in a good way so mm. it hasn't it isn't that it's just led to being more right decisions it has tweaked the balance in favor of the bowler and particularly in favor of the finger spinner but i mm. think that's a good thing and i think it's one of the few innovations in cricket over the last 30 years it's been a pro bowler change, and i think it's been necessary so I, I, well, I, I
1: agree with you entirely there, Daisy. Yeah. And, and, and on that point, you know, the change, the, the most recent change, I think, to the LBW law was after um, Cowdery basically padded away Ramadan and Valentine. Yeah, edge,
4: absolutely, basically. absolutely. Yeah. And
1: by introducing the fact that, you know, that you've got to play a shot. Yeah. That has made a massive difference yeah. to how, you know, the, the bowler yeah. can bowl at a line.
4: Yeah.
1: It, it's taken away negativity. Yeah. I mean, it's also introduced other parts. With that, I mean, that change in the law itself, and when would it have been, I suppose about 1960-odd, yeah. Changed, helped to change the way people started to think about cricket and started to think about winning rather than about drawing, although many yeah. other things have come into that as well. Yeah. But DRS has meant that now umpires are actually adjudicating that correctly because what they didn't do for years until DRS was give people out the moment they got a stride in. That if yes. they played a straight bat, yeah. I mean the infuriation,
4: yeah. as
1: every amateur cricketer will know, because it seeps all the way down the pyramid, was that if you played a cross batted shot with a massive stride in and you were hit bang in front, you were given out. If you were playing a forward defensive shot, playing to exactly the same ball, you were given not out. Yep. Well, DRS I've seen it. DRS changed that, so it's made umpires actually think about the trajectory I, I, of the ball in a way that they did before. They almost exactly. saw it as a moral point about yeah. the shot you were playing.
2: Exactly, and I think what it's also done is it's even before DRS was formally introduced, the ex- when you had the, the, the non-official kind of Skyscope and Hawkeye on Channel 4 and Sky, the existence of it I actually think gave umpires a bit more confidence to, to, to give more LBWs and to say, you know what, that is out. Um, and so you get more more uh, LBWs, and I think that the stats are, are, are clear on that. And, and it, as you say, it has also changed the way the game is being played in terms of the finger spinner coming into it and the way that the, the batsman will will play the finger spinner. Um, so, and, and I think all those are in keeping with the spirit of the LBW law as it is there, because the spirit of it is, you know, what if you have been, uh, you know, if, if a spinner has essentially outfoxed you, you know, you've gone for that big cross batted shot and you missed it. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's the moral victory, and that's what the spirit of that law is meant to uh, is meant to justify. You know, you've been outwitted by the, the spinner, um, you know, on, on your way. So, as, as I think the LBW, I think the RS is working really well for it. Um, I think with VAR, it's just been completely the opposite way with with, with offside. In in a, you know, it's it's the, 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 the it's not in keeping with the spirit of, of, of how that law is is framed. There's
3: a massive issue. Uh or a massive difference between LBW and offside, which yeah. is cricket is a series of discrete moments. So, you know, in theory, 540 balls a day in, in, in test cricket. Yeah. But the, you know, the ball is bowled, the shot is played, and at some point the ball is dead, and then you can stop and you can look at the video and you can start again. And if he's, you know, the baton's been given out wrongly, you can overturn that. If he's been given not out wrongly, you can overturn that. The problem we're now finding with offside is lines just keep their flags down.
4: Because Absolutely. if they give somebody
3: offside,
4: yeah,
3: you, you can't yeah. go back and have the chance again. That that, that attack yeah, yeah. is dead.
2: I, I totally uh, agree. And so yeah. what
3: we're now getting is is in, incredible leniency, and I think they've, yeah. they've been told to do it. Incredibly incredible leniency yeah. from, from from linesmen. Yeah. But the the huge problem with that is it's not just Ford has a shot, and then you know you, you go back and you have a look at it, because the consequences of that shot. Could be could be enormous. The ball could be in play for another 90 seconds, another another two minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or it could lead to a corner. Lead to yeah. a corner. It never gets checked. You never come back and look right. at it. And so yeah. the attacking team's got a corner. That it should have been a free kick the other way.
2: Yeah.
3: 20 seconds yeah. earlier. And
2: you're getting, as you say, you're getting large kind of ghost moments of up to 90 seconds, two minutes, where you think actually, it, it, before VAR, this would have been flagged offside very very early. And we just wouldn't have known what would happen. What you're doing now is the linesman isn't flagging. They're playing on for 90 seconds. If the goal is then scored, they're then going back and checking 90 seconds previously, and you're mm-hmm. causing so much more controversy.
0: The the records obsessive in me always wonders when when these the, when the game goes on and then it's called back, mm. and you know like you know s- suppose like Sergio Busquets plays like a dream pass, and then the play is called back. Like what happens to that pass? Like is the, the, those
3: stats are wiped. I, I, I've asked yeah, yeah. about this. Yeah. The stats are wiped, but obviously, if you break your leg in that two minutes, yeah, your you broken can. leg remains broken.
4: Well, yeah, and the other, thing <laughs> the
2: other thing I want to know is what if you know you get a situation where I don't know, it's extreme, but you know, one player punches another one.
3: No, that's uh, still a red card. Up. I've checked about that as well.
2: What, what would happen? Then?
3: Punch. It, it would be a red card.
4: It's so a violent conduct. Card. Remains
3: violent conduct even in right. these. These
1: ghost
4: wow.
3: periods, as you rather elegantly called it.
4: Yeah.
1: So
3: passes are not passes, yeah. but yeah. injuries are still injuries and, and, and red cards are still red cards. Okay, can
1: I can I, can I ask a question of the football people? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I, I watch football, but, but not as assiduously as you do.
4: Yeah.
1: In DRS, we've got this um, faintly insane situation, but it seems to kind of work, where you have referrals
4: yeah.
1: and you have a number of referrals at your disposal.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, this may affect the way umpires treat decisions and yeah. that might be something we'll come on to later you know if a team has got two referrals up their sleeve an umpire might go well it's a marginal call i'm going to yeah. leave and see if the team's yeah. going to refer it yeah. and they might actually make a decision differently i don't know um from from if the situation was that the team didn't have those two referrals but the other side had a referral so they could refer it do you think in football if you actually gave sides a limited number of referrals to VAR, you would improve VAR. It would stay the same, or it would get worse.
0: Jonathan can give you the expert answer for here, for, for this, but I would vote strongly in favour of giving Jose Mourinho that responsibility. <laughs> I I really, I really want it. that. <laughs> okay, the, the problem with it, I mean, you know, I, I
3: like in cricket the sort of the sort of the almost tactical nature of that. And it sort of stops you, kind of, uh, you know, complaining ridiculously. Um, and it, it does sort of take some of the
1: pressure off umpires in the sense that uh, you, well, we you, reset, know, don't we? We, we? we reset once the once those decisions, once the DRS is gone, we weirdly now go into the world with no DRS, which is a bit strange for the viewer. Was, yeah, but, but what, what what I mean is that the whereas you used to have, um, you know,
3: there's a spinner bowling, there's fielders around the bat. Be a you know the batsman would would ball would hit hit the pad and it, it would it would go to the short leg and everybody would appeal and it'd be you know, huge appeals. Well, the umpire now knows if they think it's out, if they think it has hit bat and pad, then they'll yeah. refer it. If they don't, well, you didn't really think it was out anyway, did you? So it does take some of that. I mean, dissent is, is probably too strong a word for what happens in cricket, but
0: mm-hmm. it does take
3: some of that that aspect out of it. So that that the pressure on umpires is is, is slightly reduced, which then. I guess, theoretically, allows them to be clearer-headed to make decisions going forward. Yeah. My, my problem with football, and it's, and it's this, with, with, with the idea of giving managers referrals, uh, it, it's exactly the same as you know what we are saying about the, the difference between a, a game that's a, a series of discrete mm. moments, as cricket is, and a, a fluid game that's continuous in the way the football is,
1: no, 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 no. no, no the, referral, the referral can only come in once the ball is dead.
3: But I mean, then you have the problem that could be three
1: or four minutes of play yeah. earlier.
4: It could be. I, I completely I'm agree. obsessed
1: on. with this flow. I don't get it. I mean, I've no, I watched it, rugby that today. It where is,
4: advantage
2: it, the flow
1: advantage goes on for, for ages and ages and ages. It
2: does. But I, I've come to the conclusion with football that the, the, it is enormous. It is enormously difficult to do things that work in other sports because there are just no natural stoppages, And I feel like there are more natural stoppages even in rugby. Um, and whatever you do, it's just the, the, the challenge of getting something to work in, in football it, with all of these things is how you deal with the, 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 the flow of the game.
0: I'm just absolutely in favor of this idea for completely bad reasons, which because I want to see just how far people are prepared to go in questioning Jose Mourinho's motives if he ever gets referrals but you know oh, all i the go stuff... quite a long way <laughs> i
4: think
2: i think the argument, the, the argument in favor of the, the ref... I, I really like the referral system in cricket i think if you can yeah. make it, i don't think you can make it work in football if you could i think it would be brilliant the reason i really like the referral system in cricket is because it comes down again to like you know a, 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 a democratic idea which is you know do you want process legitimacy or outcome legitimacy now mm. you, you kind of want both you want to get your outcomes right But what you find is that in democratic societies, the thing people like about living in them is that even when the the decision goes against you, you feel you've had due process. You feel you've had a fair chance to kind of have your case heard. And what I found fascinating, I found this really came into really stark relief in the Headingley test in the summer, where Ben Stokes obviously was not given out and that ball against Nathan Lyon and Mm. Australia had burnt their reviews, so they couldn't review it. Now, what was fascinating is I think if that had been 20 years ago, would have got all the grief the umpire yeah. would have been absolutely slaughtered in the press absolutely. what was fascinating is the umpire i mean he got a bit of criticism but all the australians turned on tim payne and they turned on tim payne because he had had the reviews he'd had the opportunity and he burnt those reviews and what it made me realize is people don't just want the right decision they want autonomy and and the point is that what the they, want
1: control, they, they want to take they, back they control daisy they
2: want to what the referral system gives the captain and the players is a feeling of autonomy that you are not just going to get absolutely sawn off on a rotten decision but if you burnt your reviews well tough you know you had your chance and actually the system is not isn't there it shouldn't be there for tactical reasons it should be there to overturn the howler if you use it frivolously well then you deserve to 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 have a howler almost (laughs) and what I found fascinating was that a lot of Australian fans and pundits just automatically bought into that and turned on Tim Payne rather than Joel Wilson so I think the referral system is really powerful and if you could make it work in football I think it would be fantastic I don't think you can make it work or at least I think it'd be very difficult for all the reasons that John said you would see and who would have the review in cricket it's very easy to say well the fielding captain or the batsman takes a review what would you do? In, who would have the review in football? Do you give it to you know? Do you have a fifteen second in cricket? You have a fifteen second window that makes sense. So to go back to my natural stoppages point, we well, you know what would you do in football? You can't have fifteen seconds where the striker, the manager, and the captain all come together to have a discussion because the play is no, going wait, on.
1: Wait till the ball goes out of play. And yeah. then Once the ball goes out of play, then you've got fifteen seconds. And, and, and in football, yeah. I mean, it does go out of play quite a lot. There's quite
2: yeah. a few. Right. If a team had broken and scored a goal. The the, yeah. the team would then always frivolously review anything that happened up to it. I think there's
0: a there's a there's a basic distinction between football and cricket in that the appeal has no legal role in football, whereas in cricket it does. Right. I mean, you yes, you can only be given if you're if 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 you appeal, right. And and so I I'm actually uh, just to go back to something Daniel was saying earlier about umpires keeping in mind how many reviews people have left and making decisions on that basis. I mean, Joel Wilson famously did not do that, right? He just gave it as he saw it. And I thought, I I, I did a whole thread on this, uh, on the Joel Wilson decision. And I thought, you know, based on what he saw and based on, you know, the way Stokes lost his balance and, you know, he mm-hmm. fell over to the offside and his front foot sort of slid mm-hmm. away, outside like dump. I thought it was perfectly reasonable in real time for Joel Wilson to think that, well, that's not straightening. You know, mm-hmm. and it hit both pads, and it was not clear. So that, I mean, if you wanted to, if you wanted to sort of make a good faith attempt to explain, well, the umpire gave this decision, and why might he have given this decision? Then there was a lot of material there to sort of explain this.
2: I agree with you. I think it was a perfectly reasonable on-field decision. But Australia had burnt their reviews.
0: Right, but it brings up this whole thing, right? DRS is a whole separate method of assessment, right? It's a whole. It, it, it operates at a different level of system with a different degree of systematicity, if that's a word. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas umpiring has its own gestalt, for want of a better word. We've sort of shoehorned these two things together, I think, mainly because of the pressure of television. And, you know, w- this conversation is, seems to suggest that, you know, DRS is really doing well and these VAR is doing badly. I'm not convinced that that's entirely the case.
2: I, I think you're right about it being shoehorned together. I know what you mean. It does feel very cobbled together. But the weird thing is, I feel it's cobbled together and it's kind of working. You know that we, even when even the things we didn't anticipate, it for me yeah. haven't worked out too badly. Um, and again, I'm probably biased because it is doing so badly in football. But the mm. other thing I like about it is I watch a lot of cricket live and on TV. And I think both live and on TV, it works for the fans. Whereas, again, I watch a lot of football live and in the ground. And in the ground, the experience for the fan is appalling. <laughs> um, so I do kind of look at how. It's why, why
0: is in that? Is that is that because they don't tell you anything?
2: It's you're never aware. I can never work uh, out when when the review is happening. Whereas in cricket, I really like the fact that the fielding team will do the T shape. You know, or the reviewer will do the T shape with her hands,
4: yeah. and yeah. then the
2: umpire will, 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 will do a square. A- yeah. And there's no similar thing in football. And that for me is where I say I, I you know, you can say the things you like about it being difficult in football, natural stoppages, so on and so forth. But that for me is just negligence. <laughs> you you have to find a simple way of letting the fans in the in the ground know what's happening. And also in cricket at home, you can hear the the deliberations yeah. of the umpires, yeah. and there's a transparency and a and a, and a, and a, a kind of a protocol to it. And I'm really fascinated to hear John saying that the, um, the, the, the FA won't release the guidance to referees because, again, you feel another part of the important process legitimacy, whether mm. or not you get to the right outcome, is we can all feel that a process has been followed, that there's a transparency about that, that there's a protocol. And sure, if it comes out and maybe we're still thinking this was a 50-50 call, we can think, well, but, you know, I saw how we arrived at it. The issue you have with football is it's not clear, I feel, to whether you're in the ground or at home, what is going on.
4: Cricket, well, I, I
1: agree with that completely, Daisy. And, and, and I mean, J- Jonathan's best place to describe this. But in, in cricket, our third umpire and TV review umpires are all at the ground. Everything Absolutely. is there. I mean, the fact that there is this sort of nameless group of weirdos uh, <laughs> deep in a windowless dungeon, all, all in exactly the same place, uh, conducting these VARs on every game... It's really weird with football, and football's desire to be opaque
4: yeah. has
1: always fascinated me. It, whenever I listen to phone-ins, whenever I listen to fans talking about football, there is always an attempt to obfuscate so that you come out of it none the wiser. Because <laughs> the notions of intent, for example, are insane, and and maybe I, mean, I, I just put this out there, and I don't know if I'm if if, if there's any hope in this at all. That might VAR actually be a very painful process for football pundits and fans and players to have to face the reality that they need to actually get a little bit more binary and black and white on their sport or just spend the rest of their lives shouting at each other into a giant <laughs> hole in which no one's going to come out any the wiser?
3: The problem with it is that the football is not binary with 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 a DRS, whether you're in the ground or watching on telly and you know, whether you've got an earpiece in at the ground or, or, or whether you're just watching it on the screen, you know, we know we know that, we, you know, I mean, I guess the first first couple of seasons, maybe we didn't, but we now, we're very confident in the series of steps you go through to judge yeah. an yeah. LBW. So we know that, first of all, they'll check the front foot no ball then we know that they'll check whether there's, there's been uh, any contact on the bat. And then we know that, you know, the stages of, uh, you know, where, where it pitches, where it strikes the batsman, and then whether it's it's hitting the stumps. And so, you know, you, you go through that and, and you know, it, it, it turns red and in the first step and everybody cheers and it turns red in the second step and everybody cheers and then, oh, it's going just mm. over. Oh. Mm. Mm. But in, in football, you, you don't have that series of, of very, um, you, don't, you know, you, the, the decisions are... Uh, it's it's not easy to impose a protocol on it because well that's what I mean you're you're looking
1: at I mean I mean do the the laws of football or rules I I forget what you call them Mm. laws rules but laws might they they actually you know because I mean look one really obvious one is one that you talked to me about with offside there's obviously going to be a a defender's body movement is going to be moving forward and away from this line that you create for offside and an attackers is going to be moving forward and over so if the armpit can count as offside is that actually just a failure in the writing of the rules if you just said nothing more than feet just feet just change the bloody law wow, a- yeah, but the you, you the, get into all
3: kinds of anime. bother with that as well. Um, mm. Because it turns out what, what we think of as being offside, what, 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 what we, mm. we've naturally been judging that, realising yeah. all these years, is torso, is what we've been...
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: You can see yeah. something that's technically onside by, mm. you know, because of where the toes are, and it, it still looks wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and it's I, actually... I think, I, think, yeah. I think that's a... a, a and it's a, it's a problem that, that you've got trying to create a, a set of laws that works for VAR, Bearing in mind, most football is played without VAR, mm. so you know, even yeah, from Championship yeah. down, you don't have. Uh, so, right. uh, you know, Arsene Wenger came up with this this idea uh, last week, where he said, "Well, maybe we try and reintroduce the spirit of levelness, which now <coughs> doesn't exist because it's levelled to, mm. to 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 a pixel rather than a you know mm. a, a chunk of, of, of human." And and that if part of you is onside. Then you are onside, rather than part of you being offside. Then you're offside. But the problem with that, you know, initially I thought, oh, that, yeah, that that does solve this level issue because it just shifted where the line that we're going to argue over is, and suddenly level is back to being onside. But but then you, you actually look at how how a, a linesman in practice would try and uh, adjudicate that, and the way offside works at the minute is the linesman uh, they try to keep in line with that penultimate defender, so they they try to keep their eyes level with the back part of that penultimate defender. And then when a pass is played, they can see if anybody's gone beyond that 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 line. Mm. And and that is I'm not saying it's easy to do, but it's not a it's you know, it's a relatively understandable process. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're looking there you know rather at the back part of the furthest forward forward, that could be in a crowded box. You could have you mm. know ten players in in your way. And, and that makes it impossible to adjudicate without TV and possibly impossible, impossible to adjudicate with TV. So yeah. it, in practice, it, it, it just does not work for leagues without VAR. And I think you have to, as far as possible, keep the laws of the game the same for everybody.
0: So um, yeah, I don't think you can have that. I if you have different forensic instruments examining the action, then you're going to have to have different sets of rules because different instruments have different degrees of precision at which they operate.
3: Clearly that is true, but equally yeah. you'd be making a massive difference between the Premier League and the Championship
0: That's true. Of, of,
3: of what could be realistically given by, by the human eye.
0: That, that's, that's
3: something that's that uh, will be given offside in the championship yeah. is actually five feet onside in the Premier League.
2: Exactly. And that, that doesn't and think, work
3: at all. That's, that's, that's insanity.
2: John, to go back to the, the earlier point, that the fact is that, as John made clear, that really delicate changes in interpretation of the offside law have really changed the way the game is played. Um, so, you know, tweaks in 2005, yeah. you can make an argument enabled Barcelona and Spain's passing football of the following yeah. decade. So the problem you've got here is that tweaks in the way this is interpreted really can make a really big difference. And for me, you know, having thought about it, I think the challenge you've got and why the Wenger sort of thing won't work won't, won't either is you've got that both lines are so fluid. In cricket, when you've got your line call, when you've got your batsman grounding his bat, you can have really close calls. But you kind of feel like, well, look, it is a, it's a a—it's a line that is literally a line. And it's the same in football with the, is the ball over the line or not? The yeah, with goal line technology.
3: goal line technology works because the line is yeah, fixed.
2: Exactly. The problem you've got with the offside rule is both lines are fluid. They're
3: mooring. Yeah. You know,
2: both lines are moving.
3: Well, both lines are moving and the moment which the ball is played is, is not constant. So exactly.
2: you've got so, three kind of... I mean, John, I know that back in the day there was an experiment, wasn't there, in the sort 20s to have a rule that... They painted a line and the 40 yard line, uh, and effectively said that's your offside line. It's fixed. Now that would make one line fixed. But it, obviously, the moment the ball leaves the boot. Well, no,
3: no. The, the line they painted in the 20s, when when yeah. they were looking at changing the offside line 925. Yeah. They they painted the line. I think it was 40 yards, or maybe maybe 35 yeah. yards from from goal. Yeah. And basically they just said you you yeah. can only be offside if you're beyond that. So you'd still have the two you still have it. The, yeah. The two lines, and I th- I think yeah. in. Um, in the US in the seventies, I think they experimented with, with having that that rather yeah. than you can only be offside in the opponent's half,
2: you yeah. could only
3: be offside if you were within mm. th- you know, thirty five or forty yards of the opponent's goal. It would discourage the high press because yes. you then have forwards hanging around sort of between yeah. the halfway line and that forty yard line, which is
2: exactly what I mean. That subtle changes to this have a major impact on yeah. The well, I mean, I think of the,
3: game. the right the the offside law is is hugely important. It's sort of like a uh, like a valve that you can, you, yeah. know, you, you 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 can compress or decompress the game, yes, uh, by fiddling with that valve. Yeah, and it, it felt yeah. like we got it in. Yeah, I think those 2005 changes. I think yeah. we got it just about in the right place. It felt yeah. that creative attacking football was being encouraged, but not to a ludicrous degree. Yeah, yeah. and that's now been yeah. You know, this 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 very very fine balance we spent a long long time getting to.
4: Yeah,
3: we've kind of tossed out the window
1: to to solve another issue. Yeah. What is that other issue you think that we are solving? Because in cricket, it was, very <laughs> cl- it was very clear what we were trying to solve, which was that cricket was a, a, a nationalist game, uh, really. I mean, just played really at, at the highest level, which is where DRS is, by competing countries. And we were getting to a point where um, it was the, the conversation was becoming unpleasant, that umpires were getting outrageously blamed for losses by one country or another and those countries then became inflamed with furious rage
4: Mm.
1: so in a way I mean DRS I think has has done fantastic things at taking that aspect out of post-game analysis and punditry and defusing that really puerile nonsense what is, what was VAR introduced to do in football? I, I exactly was, the same
3: thing. Yeah, of exactly, the tribalism yeah. of football. It doesn't have to be countries to be tribal. Yeah. You know, it's, it, so it's, it's, it's tribal it's, with, do, with clubs.
2: I do sympathize the thing you said earlier, Dan. You know, I, I don't want to glorify the past. You, you want to get rid of the howlers, you want to get rid everyone said this in cricket, and it's the same in football, you want to get rid of those decisions where literally 20 seconds later, everyone at home who's seen a replay knows that was the wrong decision. And mm. you know, the, the question is how many of those were there really ever? <laughs> and mm. I think there are. There were some. I remember, you know, just on offside last season, West Ham's home game against Liverpool. We drew one all. Liverpool's ho- Liverpool's um, goal. I think James Milner was like, you know, uh, a long way offside, and it was apparent almost immediately that that was a you know a, a big howler. So you know, there are errors that will be made with offside. It, Is it, the
1: world it, a better or worse place for the hand of God?
2: Right, and the hand of God. I was literally going to say that. You know, those when you think of those howlers. You think of those moments where literally 20 seconds later everybody in the world can see that that's that's a, that's a handball the the, the the really big question which i don't think any sport has solved perfectly including cricket is how do you get to a place where you eliminate the howler without introducing all kinds of other issues and complications and problems um, and look you know this is the reason i got interested in this I'm not the reason i'm interested but i work in in in, in assessment where yeah. you're grading children's essays and it's the challenge there that, yes, some get do get the wrong mark, but no system has ever been found that will get 100% of essays to the right mark. And you do get into an issue of what is the right mark. <laughs> and that's what I find very interesting is in lots of other areas of measurement in life, you've got exactly the same issue. You probably got to a point with cricket and football and with with marking essays where you probably are getting, you know, maybe 85 90% of, of, of judgments right. Yeah. In order to get it any higher than that, you start trading off on other things you care about. So maybe you can go from 90% of decisions right to 95%, but in order to do so, you've traded off a whole load of stuff about the offside rule that is now you know, completely changing the way is, uh, the game is played. Do you want that trade-off? <laughs> so for me, I think it does come down to the fact to, to improve any of the accuracy, you, you're, you're trading off other things, and we, we can't pretend that eliminating the howler is, is cost-free, I guess.
0: I, I This has been... It's interesting to listen to you guys, because... When I was imagining this podcast, I thought that, you know, most of the difficult issues that would come up would be to do with judgment calls, you know, like red cards and penalties Mm. and whatnot and fouls. Uh, But, you know, it is the matter of it is a question of fact, uh, Mm -hmm. which which seems to create a lot of anxiety. I wanted to ask Jonathan about your Klopp's proposal. Jurgen Klopp has this idea of making the line thick, which would effectively in a strict formal sense, do for offside what umpires call does for for, for for LBW in cricket, which is that it it will create sort of a, a buffer which, you know, makes, which by design grants the benefit of the doubt to one or the other party. Yeah,
3: I mean, this was a, you're yeah. obviously always going to have a point where the line is
4: Yeah. and, and,
3: yeah. and, and no matter how, how thick you make the line, mm-hmm. the line's then got a front and a back, which I yeah. guess means it isn't technically a line
0: But yeah. so It's a bang
3: um, I, so One of the problems I have and I, I guess to an extent it's an issue of vocabulary but when we you hear a load of people saying well you've got umpire's call in cricket, why can't you just have that in football? Mm. And there's two reasons why you can't have it, which is umpire's call in cricket, apart from the very strange instance of where the ball Strikes the batsman, mm. which I, I I think you should not have umpires call for because you know where it's happened. You can you know you, mm. you have you have a fixed camera there looking at it, and yes within no? a certain margin of error, it is it, it has happened. Where umpires call, I think, is a is a useful thing, is in its predictive element. But in football, it's not predictive. You're judging something that okay is incredibly difficult to to measure because you have three moving parts, or, or in some cases, more than three moving parts. Mm-hmm. But it, you are—it is something that has happened. It is, it is a fact, and you do yeah. have footage of that. Um, so, you know, what I, what, what would—and I don't, know, I don't know how possible this is—but what would feel right to me, and I guess you'd probably have to do a series of tests to find out what 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 this measurement is. But you know, when I when I was going through the maths earlier, I'm not going to go through the maths again. We said that essentially, between one one frame of film and next frame, you can have relative movement of around about 30 centimetres. That's that's quite normal and quite common. Mm. Now, obviously, players are not always moving at 25 kph. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're moving a bit faster. More often than not, they're moving a bit slower. So you you, you work out what what, like, what a sort of uh, a reasonable margin of error to introduce is, and you say, well, actually, you know, we can't judge this to within closer than 12 centimetres or, you know, or, or whatever distance that happens to be. And you make the the line you draw that thick, uh, but also you can't have um, you can't have the umpires call equipment, the linesman flags if he thinks it's off, or if he thinks it's not, or doesn't flag, if he thinks it's not off. Because if he flags and he thinks it's off and it's not off, yeah, well you killed an attack, and you can't absolutely. sort of recreate that attack yeah. unless you're saying they should go ahead and play out the attack. In with which him standing he's over
0: this flag, and the then you go back school, and principle. check it as if he's given yeah. it, but that,
3: that, that then creates exactly. another ghost period of play, which
0: Absolutely, seems yeah. really weird.
3: Yeah. Uh, you Absolutely.
0: know, actually, uh, the impact is actually the part of ball tracking which is technically the hardest thing to do. You know, because what you're trying to do there is you're trying to you're trying to look at look for when the ball hits the pad. And the pad could be on the move, or the pad could be planted, or the lay, or the foot could be planted.
3: Right, uh, and I guess you have the same issue of, of the of, uh, frame rates. You have a gap between. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah so, like, so there are sort of two systems. One is one is a system where they have an operator who actually picks the frame where the the impact is deemed to have occurred, and then the prediction is based on you know that that entry, uh, and the other is a system where it the 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 algorithm will give you uh, a choice of frames and and you pick from that one uh, or you know there's some semi automated method of picking from that one so in that sense I think the especially when it's sort of marginal on op stump or, and on leg stump the the umpire's call for impact is actually a good idea uh, yeah
3: sure yeah but I mean I, I guess that's the um, it's the this, same principle that we're saying that. You can't be, in, you know, in football, you can't be absolutely certain when the pass is played mm-hmm. and you can't be absolutely certain between frames uh, you know, as, as to when the, the, the key moments occurred. So, it's, yeah, it's exactly the same problem as football. Then, if yeah. you
2: wanted the really high-tech solution, I have no idea if this would work or not, but I know they've experimented in rugby with a, a little bit of this, but you would coat all the players and the ball with sensors. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah. you would have a buzzer that would go off immediately
0: would they agree? Daisy, I've, 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 I've been a to.
1: massive. I've been a massive fan of this forever. I I think that every footballer's boot yes. should uh, actually say their own name in their own voice when they <laughs> come into contact with the ball. So that way you'd know who got to the ball first. So yeah, Ryan for Ryan Giggs, and and this would just like play out really loudly constantly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And that way, there would be never be any doubt whatsoever whether if yeah. he played the ball or he played yeah. the man.
4: Would they, you using... have
1: a problem with
3: boots for offside? So what you'd actually have to do mm. is, as soon as a player gets a Premier League contract, which is huge, so you know mm-hmm. they, they should make some sacrifice that you you implant a chip probably <laughs> into their pelvis and you say right we we're, we're, we're judging
1: yeah.
3: we're, we're judging <laughs> offside based on a chip in your pelvis.
1: Why did you choose the pelvis? <laughs> Well, you've seen my pelvis. You know, you know how attractive it is. It's it's beautiful, but but in, in normal sci-fi, it's just put in just behind the left ear. <laughs> no, I, I guess I'm thinking of when you look at a, at a frozen frame to
3: judge an offside. Right. Where feels the most corporeal part of the player? Where, where's the least the bit that's least likely to be sort of floating <laughs> off away from the main main part of the
2: I body? Think you need you need sensors all over them and then an immediate, so you'd get rid of all this photo finish stuff, you'd have a buzzer immediately, and the buzzer would immediately come up on the screen so all the fans could see it too.
0: Yeah. I think the press gallery should vote. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> or there'd yeah. be a
4: lot
1: of decisions going by where Sam's way then. Well, this, yeah. this,
4: this,
1: this does actually raise some interesting questions, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean,
4: yeah. the, the,
1: future, the, the future of technology is that it's going to get, uh, I don't know whether we'll call it better, but it's going to be different, isn't it? Yes. And so we've just started with VAR and DRS. Mm-hmm. So we can ask questions about whether VAR will change materially change the, the laws of football,
4: mm.
1: about whether DRS will change the laws of cricket or just simply the application of mm-hmm. the laws by the standing umpires. But also, I suppose, as technology improves, where, where does this ultimately take us? I mean, can, can we imagine, and is it desirable... A future really without arbiters, but just mm-hmm. with technology. Well, that's one of the things
2: in wider kind of legal discussions. Um, people talk about that. So a lot of, um, Kart- Kartika, you'll know more about this than me, but a lot of modern buildings, for example, are yeah. built with um, kind of sensors where the temperature, you know, can't drop below or go above a certain a certain legal limit. Right. Like, you know, a large move in a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of law and a lot of professions is to you know, come up with ways where you, you're almost taking the human out of the, the the judgment and you are putting in kind of automated automated systems. And it's yeah, the exactly. system designer who is, who is responsible for those. So in some ways, sport is very much behind the times in that it's using technology, but it's kind of using technology in a, in a really kind of 1980s way, if you like. You know, it isn't using, uh, it's just getting, you know, video replays for humans to look at in lots of cases. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. The big step forward would be, Automated decisions, uh, like the one I'm suggesting about, you know, yeah, coating players and sensors,
4: would that be desirable, though, please?
2: I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure. I'm not not saying it is or it isn't, but
1: well, I, I, I I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know because I've seen the impact that neutral umpires has made on the discourse Mm -hmm. of cricket and just how vital that's been to Mm -hmm. get rid of a perceived resentment. From, from one country to the other
4: yeah.
1: and yet at the same time what one of the things we absolutely adore about sport
4: yeah.
1: is the arbitrary nature of its arbitration isn't it
2: well I think you, you still have I mean what if I talk about I think the kind of the, the, the arbitrary things that will always remain hmm. ha, whatever you do with technology will be just the really fine fine margins where yes it was the right decision his bat was just out so he's out um but you just ponder on the fineness of that margin and uh, there's one i always remember which was um i was at the match actually so i so i wasn't seeing the replays on on the screen but 2009 um i think marcus north was was it was the last day of the ashes at the oval 2009 i think marcus north was stumped uh i think there was a ponting the ponting run out from Flintoff and a marcus north stumping and they were both incredibly fine fine margins Uh, but you would both in both cases say yeah it was the right decision was reached so you'll never lose that you'll never lose the fact of oh my goodness you know the whole match hanging on 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 a a millimeter um but you're right you know do we want something where you are completely losing um that human element i I don't know um i mean i write more widely about technology and the, the impact of technology on society and one thing i will say is that things that one generation tend to find unthinkable and unspeakable kind of 10 years later of the norm um and there's all kinds of examples of uh you know we let technology do things now which 30 years ago people would have thought crazy which now we think crazy if you didn't let them do it so these things tend to kind of you know norms change
3: ai in time will become good enough that you can sort of show i mean i'm going to expose my hideous ignorance how this works Mm. but you 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 can sort of feed kind of Mm. uh the video of a million football matches yeah uh yeah. In, into this sort of computer so that, that we, and,
4: actually, and you, ju- yeah,
3: and you can say, uh,
4: you know, this, no
3: this, is is we, foul, actually, this is what is a foul, so this is what's not. All that accrued knowledge,
4: yeah, yeah,
3: you know, so becomes it no, no this sort of AI. And then well, you, the really clever yeah. bit, yeah. you can then show it only games referee by, say, Mike Dean. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, every, you know, yeah. you have your panel of 20 or 25 referees, whatever it is for the season. But they each have a personality of a great ref of the past.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't thought about that, but the, the organization I work for, No More Marking, we use yeah. a technique called comparative judgment. And comparative mm-hmm. judgment is a way of um, kind of making decisions about yeah. um, things like penalties, things where maybe there's um, not necessarily binary, but they're on a distribution. And we thought about the idea of of using it. And the nice thing about it was is it wouldn't actually be the first step wouldn't be AI. The first step would be human judgment, but it would be mass distributed human judgment. So the idea would be that you could um, take, uh, you know, a couple of hundred thousand videos of penalty decisions, scrub all the the names and the the, the shirts of the players, and you could get a bunch of fans uh, again, thousands of fans. To do comparative judgment of all of those penalty decisions you could then essentially have a, a measurement scale for every penalty decision where mm. you know the highest score would be something that's essentially a stone cold penalty and the lowest score be something that was never a penalty and then you'd have mm. all the shades in between of those we are literally saying that is really 50 50 you know people just could not decide um, and then the first step would be well that would be a really useful training bank because that yeah. would be something that you could and, and quite transparent as well you could say look here is what a bunch of fans, uh, you could just do it with referees, expert referees. But here is what, uh, you know, we have said, we have got some kind of definitive numbers we can put on some of these decisions. The really tricky thing would be then applying that to a live match. And that's where mm-hmm. I think you would need the AI. You couldn't have fans, you know, judging it in real time because bias would come in. So what you then mm-hmm. need is a way of, of, of clipping, you know, the 15 seconds of the, 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 the actual decision you want to make a decision on. And comparing it to your bank of hundreds of thousands of decisions and saying which one does it most closely correspond to, you'd have to have some form of AI for that.
0: I'm I'm beginning to imagine now a, the problem shifting to you know a debate between you know which model produces the best sigmoid distribu- sigmoid curve to to make to make a continuous distribution of you know from you know absolutely stone cold yep. penalty to absolutely no penalty. As many of the ones in the middle as possible to clearly separate them, that's where the problem will shift, because then it will be an argument between models. And there will always be sort of a large number of marginal cases where in some models they would go one way and in another model they would go another way. You uh, absolutely. Know,
2: but, I, I agree with you. And you could argue that's the same at the minute in terms of, you know, yeah. you get Mike Dean or you get Michael Oliver, you're getting a different yeah. system. But, Correct. I mean, look, I'm saying all these things, and I find it really fun to play around with ideas of comparative judgment of penalty decisions mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. so of offside rules. There is a very strong argument to say, let's just move back <laughs> and take VR yeah. yeah. out altogether. Because, mm-hmm. the, you know, this is the point I was kind of making in my tweet as well. The minute you start to go down these rabbit holes, you get into a position where you you, you realise it, it is the sport. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> do we, we, we all- really want to do this? And maybe we do, but I'm not saying I'm not saying we saying this- do.
3: The other, the other interesting impact of VAR, which I don't think we've fully seen yet, uh, is what impact it has on player behaviour, mm-hmm. irrespective of decisions. Do players behave better because they think they're being watched? And I, I'll give you an example of this where we definitely know it changed behaviour. And that was when they first introduced the referees behind the goals. Uh, so that rather than having your know, referee, two linesmen, the fourth official, you had referee, two linesmen, fourth official, plus the two officials behind the goals. No, they they tend to be sneered at because they they don't visibly make a decision. Uh, you know, they, they they press the button on their their sensor and it buzzes on the referee's wrist, and you know, he he knows that that and then they then communicate with him through the through the headset. So they, they never are seen to give or not give a decision. But it, they were introduced the year 2008, and what you saw was suddenly a spike in goals scored from headers from corners
4: mm. because
3: defenders weren't holding. Forward, because mm-hmm. it was they, they felt they were being watched. Yeah. So that, that's that's the sort of untold aspect of VAR, which I, I don't really think we've we'll, we'll get to grips with for, for maybe a season or two,
4: mm-hmm.
3: as, as to what it does. It make players behave better, and if it does make players behave better, then maybe maybe it's all worth it. And I mean something that may be coincidence, and maybe of other factors, but offsides this season are at an all-time low. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think I think we're down to 3.6 per game, whereas 10 years ago was we were about 5.5. Now, again, that might be because linesmen just aren't putting their flags up mm-hmm. because they, they, you know, they know the consequence of giving an offside that's not offside is far mm-hmm. greater
4: mm-hmm.
3: than not giving an offside that is offside. But it is changing um, uh, sort of background issues mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, and if, if, off, if there's fewer offsides, that, that I think most people would generally agree is is a positive result
1: drs has definitely improved on field behavior towards umpires i would it say has, it?
0: has it? it it has legitimized bad behavior i mean basically players used to question umpires and it used to be futile and it used to be called dissent. and now they can officially do it like huh. up two times per, per, per game you know, well, I mean, so we, we just changed the definition of what constitutes good and bad behaviour. Well, you know, we, I, yeah, it, we changed the terms of the argument. I, I, I get
1: exactly what you're saying there, Carters. But the difference between Mike Gatti poking his finger yeah. at Shakur Rana.
0: Yeah, but that's Shakur Rana. That's a crazy umpire, right? Yeah. I
4: think,
2: no, I, I, I'm with Dan on this. I feel like particularly in those matches, you know, fifth day pitches, wearing track, bat pads where, frankly, the umpire's job is so, so fiendish. Yeah. I feel like, you know, Shane Warne would just go out and appeal every ball uh, and yeah. really would. That Australian team would try and really intimidate the umpire. I, it's much harder to do that now. And you see yeah. it because you get those decisions where the umpire will shake his head and the team's vociferously appealed. Uh, and then they don't review it. And suddenly everyone's looking and laughing.
4: they and mean, saying, well, hang they on they a minute. On. You know, you
2: were jumping around saying this was out a minute ago. You clearly don't think it's that out because you're not reviewing. And yeah. so I think it has changed that dynamic for the better. Well, and it's
1: also Wait a minute, just in the 1950s, was it, or 60s, the England team acting, actually kidnapped a Pakistan umpire off <laughs> the close of play. I mean, this, this I, I would say that's pretty disgraceful behaviour.
0: And uh, true. <laughs> You
1: don't get much, was it it Baig was his name?
0: Do you know, this is why, Daniel, this is why, you know, the hand of God is the greatest decision in the history of Uh, all. And Maradona's description of it, whether it's true or apocryphal, is just like the single greatest statement ever made by any human ever.
3: Well, there's no question he said it. A little bit the hand you of Maradona, a little bit the hand zombie. of God. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: a little bit the head of Maradona, a little bit the hand of God. You know, it's the perfect description. You no,
3: know? <laughs> I think actually there's a, there's another point here about about um, DRS and, and the referral system is firstly it, it sort of acknowledges that um, perfection is impossible. So you're saying mm. look, the, the, the umpire is allowed to make mistakes. It, it, it's insane to, to expect. Uh, infallibility and it's also making players do some umpiring yeah they have they have to make the the wicketkeeper or the bowler, whoever has to make the judgment of was that out and you know what we've seen from from drs referrals is that the vast majority of appeals are wrong absolutely it's it's about it's roughly a third two-thirds the third are overturned
0: three quarters
3: three okay three quarters yeah, mm-hmm. three, quarters so, are,
0: three quarters fail. Three quarters of the player referrals fail. Know,
3: and now, obviously, some of those will be yeah. very speculative towards the end of innings, yeah. or, or speculative yeah. you know, when when the when you know, when the new ball's due and you're about to get another set
0: of, of
1: referrals. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah the number place. six, the number six and number seven batsmen do a lot of referring, which ends up badly. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: But this is it. It's my point about autonomy. And you're yeah. absolutely right. It forces the players to take more responsibility. And then you realise, actually, well, umpiring is really hard. And I would say just from my perspective, it's made me feel uh, uh, that actually it makes you realise more just how many decisions they get right. And just how many of the how- the things you think are howlers are really not. And so I would say just as a, a general kind of principle, that I really like the referral system. I think it's, it's really well done. Um, that that, that and, India
3: referral against Australia in the, in the opening game of the uh, women's T20, that was such a bad review. Honestly, it have docked them all reviews for the rest of the tournament. The six 16th <laughs> side leg stump was a nonsense.
0: If a player reviews something which they're not sure about, then the penalty for doing that should be higher than the penalty for like making just a dumb mistake. Right,
2: but that's because hard Because they're to, introducing to,
1: the umpire.
0: That's yeah.
2: hard to put in. I mean, I feel the fact that you only have a couple of reviews. Yeah. You do get punished if you use them frivolously.
1: And we've seen yeah.
2: enough teams get punished, like, you know, Tim Payne, Nathan Lyon. If you use it frivolously, you, you, you will get punished. So I, I think they... Like, like I said, I like the fact that it gives the players that autonomy, that responsibility. It shows you that they're not better than the, the umpires umpiring. Umpiring is hard. If it were so easy, yeah, how come the players weren't getting them all right? So for me, I I think the the structure of it works really well and takes the pressure off the umpire and probably does improve some of the the player behaviour too. And as with any system, obviously there's attempts to game it and to play it. Um, But for me, on balance, I, I like it. I think it works. And I think, you know, it's rare for us to to praise cricket in authorities. But I have to say, after the shambles of VAR and of the way I think that the fans are just taken for granted, it mm. does make me respect a little bit more the system you have in cricket and the way the fans, you know, it works for them as well.
4: Can
1: I, can I just ask one? I don't know whether this is a ludicrously Suedish question, but I've got a couple of, you know, um, veterans of Sued's Corner on private ice so they'll be able to help me out on this. <laughs> um, is 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 it that sport is the last remaining place where people can feel absolutely certain about something? You know, a transgression or not. It's Mm -hmm. out or not. It's offside or not. It's a foul or not. And this allows us a sense of outrage when it's not done right. That is particularly uh, comforting at the moment. People seem to love being outraged.
0: I think that's a good question. because. I, I was I was actually gonna put that question in another way. Uh because I think I think you're getting at this this question of, you know, the authority figure. You know, because you know the, the referee and the umpire in the late nineteenth century were sort of one of the first secular judges, you know, who were trusted and whose decisions were accepted and so on and so forth. Right? And you know, in fiction you have the whole figure of the detective who comes in, you know, who's not really a... not really performing deductions, but is always presented as a morally secure figure, who, who's always going to try to do right and always gonna, does right in the end, you know. you know, Poirot does that, and Marple does that, and Moss does that, and, you know, Sherlock Holmes did that, and Duke did that, and all of them did that. And now what seems to have happened is that with video, the enhanced scrutiny of video and the enhanced sort of complexity which it has revealed about decisions and information and, you know, judgment seems to have, firstly, it seems to have put so much pressure on authority that, you know, the video has to come into the tent and help try to help them out, try to help the referees out, try to help the umpires out. And in the process, it seems to sort of have reduced them to to being clerks in a sense, you know. I mean, umpires are now basically the third umpire has almost exercises almost no judgment. I mean, I could do a third umpire's job, and anybody could do the third umpire's job, you know, because the every proce- all the procedure is laid out in excruciating detail.
3: The comparison with detectives sort of i technology works there as well. Like it's one of the mod- yeah. one of the problems that modern detective story has. Yeah. Is DNA in forensic medicine, Correct. and so to to an extent, the detective becomes a sort of yeah the the, the clerk who administers what he's being told by the by the yeah. pathologist.
2: Yeah. It's no yeah. surprise that the great ages of detective fiction and the great ages of cricket, the golden age of cricket, overlap. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I I totally agree, and I think you know it's not just um it's not just uh, uh, detective novels. It's it's you know law. You look at sentencing guidelines or parole right. decisions. You know one of the most famous studies into human decision making is all about parole board officers uh, making inconsistent decisions depending on how close it is to lunch or not you know yeah. and there's the whole bunch of these decisions that shows human judgment is very inconsistent and yeah. if you can uh, the, the more you scrutinize it with technology the more that becomes apparent and in the situations where you can replace human judgment with an algorithm you know there's sort of the landmark work on this you know clinical versus statistical prediction by paul meal yeah. Uh, statistical prediction will outdo you every single time and right the fact is that, that, that that's that's when you're on the receiving end of the, the the bad human decision you can feel very smug about that when you yourself are the human <laughs> it's much worse and i think what we're seeing is more and more decisions in the world are being outsourced to algorithms and yeah. whilst that might give us a consistency there is that worry of well, what, what are humans for anymore what do humans do anymore Mm -hmm. Um, you know, your judges, your detectives, your referees, your umpires, if everything is being being outsourced somewhere. And as I say, in that sense, actually, sport hasn't gone as far down that road because sport, as I say, is is not using algorithms largely. It's not using automated systems. It's just using replays for another set of humans to look at. But I think you're right in that the beginning of this trend within sport, it probably is quite unsettling. And it is a sign of, I think, wider issues, as I said, about, about technology and society, as right. to you know who, who do we want making the decisions what's more important you know a, a right outcome or a right process um what's more important the right process or a transparent process you know the other issue people have with algorithms making decisions is a lot of the time they're not transparent particularly right. machine learning ones it's very hard yeah. for us to know exactly how a decision was, was arrived at so
4: right.
2: yeah I, I absolutely think it plays into uh, all those all those wider issues about about you know what, what are humans for in a world of computers
0: I want to conclude by putting, uh, you know, Daniel's question in to, to, to uh, all three of you in, in this way, which is that given, given that, you know, the, the nature of evidence and the nature of the complexity of information and the difficulty of reaching judgment is being made evident to mass viewership through sport, is there a case for saying that, you know, sport as, you know, an aspect of life, which ultimately does not matter, and is, you know, a a closed, internally consistent system in and of itself? Is there a case to be made for, you know, keeping it in a way which preserves the authority figure? Or do you think, is there a, I mean, I, I guess I'm asking, you know, where do you stand on modernity? But you know uh so i think oh, daisy do you want to go first
2: yeah so for me yeah i know i think that is interesting and as i say i'm i am sort of genuinely torn on this on the one hand part of me finds it really fascinating to debate ways you could you know put sensors on on, on the ball and on the players and you know comparatively judge banks of of of, of penalty decisions and use ai to come up with decisions in real time um another part of me thinks you know why why, why do we want to do that like if, you, if it is just getting you a, a couple of percent more decisions, what are you trading off? What are you losing? Right. Um, I suppose for me, the halfway house would be, I'd like to see, um, I would like to see kind of research and, 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 and experiments with some of these more advanced ways of doing things. Mm. What, what I feel is the worst situation we've got into at the minute with, with football is we've got into a situation where we kind of got the worst of both worlds. We haven't yeah. really improved the, the, the correct decisions and we've sacrificed and traded off a lot of valuable things for that. So for me, yeah. if you are going to trade off the authority figure and the, some of the, the things about the, the flow of the game and the way it just works at the moment, you have to be pretty certain that you're going to trade off that for some benefits. And at the minute, I just don't feel those benefits are there.
3: Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the problem for the football, Scott, is it just didn't trial this properly. Yeah. You, you know, you, yeah. you need to trial it properly, not, not just over one season, you know, you could trial over one season and one league, but you need to do proper trials to, to, to see what, what what issues come up. And mm. what, what all seems to have happened is there any dialogue whatsoever between different leagues. So, you know, Germany, Australia, the mm. US, Italy all had VAR before uh, before the Premier League. And yet none of those lessons seem to have been learned. We, you know, we seem mm. to be repeating the same errors and not finding any solutions to them. So yeah, you know, I, I personally think DRS has been a, a huge improvement for cricket. Although there was a you know a wobbly period while, while we sort of got used to it, but yeah. I, you know, I now think it's it's part of the game and a, and a beneficial part of the game. Um, my, you know, my issue with with VAR in football, and you know I I remember this has about ten years, fifteen years. I was giving the same answer. You know, VAR I'm in favour of in theory. I haven't yet seen a form of it in practice that, that works, and mm. I still haven't. And I just sort of feel that we're now, we're, we're, um, we're sort of looking for patches for the for the problem. We're looking to sort of tape it up. And nobody sort of prepared to go back and say, look, this has been disastrous. Let's start again. Let's trial this properly. And let's work out what the best way to do this is. And if that means we go away for three or four years and, I don't know, some Dutch amateur league has it inflicted upon them while we all learn from that, well, so be it. Rather that than... The Premier League, the Champions League, Serie A, whatever. So it Um, it just feels to me at the minute it's a very
1: immature system.
3: uh, And it's this immaturity which is creating a lot of issues.
0: Daniel? Uh,
1: I agree with annoyingly everything that Daisy and Jonathan just said there. Uh, But I would add to that that um, my attitude to modernity is that that, uh, technology is always going to improve and we're always going to use it in sport. People used to um, do dead heats in hundred meter races when uh, stopwatches weren't good enough to be able to do hundreds of a second. Right. Uh, motor racing drives now go to thousands of seconds. Mm. Um, the technology is, is going to be there the whole time. And, and until I worked in in sport, I didn't really also care about the other component as much as I do now, which is the players themselves. Mm. And in cricket, perhaps. It's that much. Why DRS is is so good is that it's that much more capricious in existence. Yes.
4: Uh,
1: while, while you hear footballers whining about how you know they might lose their one hundred thousand pound a week managerial job because of a decision that means that their team gets relegated? You know, no one's going to shed too many tears about that. But a young man making his way in a game of cricket who's sawn off really badly um, yeah. by umpires in in the first few games they play. They play. They can massively make a difference to their whole life and their whole career. So I, I do. And, and if you can see that visibly and it's really obvious that someone's been given a really bad decision, then you sort of, you know, you feel badly for them. You start to empathize for them. So you want the right decisions to be made for a whole variety of, of different reasons. One of them is empathy with a player. And one of them is say so that we just don't have really boring conversations on phone ins on the radio and TV which do drive me insane with rage about refereeing decisions and umpiring decisions because then we're not actually talking about sport at all. We're talking about the guy who's got an incredibly difficult job to do. So um, my view is that technology will always be there. We will just improve it. I think Jonathan's absolutely right that football has handled VAR really badly as almost as a panic measure when it's seen rugby mm. handle it so well and cricket handle it so well. And other sports are constantly using technology, and that's really the reason why we're probably arguing about you know whether whether technology is good in sport. For the most part, it is, and uh, I, I also really like the uh, the additional function of referrals because I just think and tennis does that too. Yes. Is that you know because then you're basically saying to some Mardi athletes, well, put your money where your <laughs> mouth is. So you know that's uh, the I'm a, I'm a big fan.
0: Well, thank you all. Uh, this has been wonderful. I hope it's given listeners uh, some sense of how to think about it without sort of getting stuck in the weeds of, you know, individual decisions and individual margin calls. Uh, so thank you, Daisy, Jonathan, and Daniel. This has been a lot of fun. We sh- I'm going to try to think up other pretexts to invite <laughs> you guys over to talk <laughs> about it. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks
4: very much. Cheers. Thank you.